Hey there. You know when you think you have all your ducks in a row and then you realize they all go quacking off in their separate directions? (laughs) That's what's happened in relation to this podcast. I started on one platform and moved to another. Just like in a blended family, the rules of the game changed as far as how you upload, how you disseminate, and where it all goes in the world of podcasting. Here's what I've learned. I've learned that I can complain about it or I can fix it. Uh, So that's why I'm here. I'm here to fix it today and re-upload episode number one. Now, way back in September 2020, that seems eons ago already, When I did my first recording, it was live and I was looking out the window thinking, what am I doing here podcasting? (laughs) As I've gone through and listened to parts of this episode, I've wanted to edit it and edit it and edit it. It's kind of like some of the stuff that we do for social media, right? We want to make sure we look good. And then I stopped. I stopped because this was my first episode. And while I do need to move it over to my new platform, I don't need to go edit it. This is a time and frame that this is where I was in my experience with podcasting. Just like where you are right now in your blending experience is right where you are supposed to be. Now, if you want to take it to the next level, I invite you to listen to later episodes of Step Family Mission Possible, where we address those obstacles and challenges that you experience in your blend. We help you go from where you are to where you long to be. We want you to have that future that you crave. This is Jen Rogers, Step Family Mission Possible. You're listening to Step Family Mission Possible, a podcast for step families with a focus on step family couples building their legacy together. The majority of remarriages fail. Don't let yours be one of them. Blending families is hard. Your hosts, Bill and Jen Rogers, make it easier. It's time to turn step family chaos into step family mission possible. Together, we'll obliterate the notion that step families are destined to fail so you can stop feeling that pit in your stomach on transition day and start celebrating all the reasons why you are in exactly the right family. Right now. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to learn how to overcome step family roadblocks and setbacks. Together, with special guests, stories, and events, Bill and Jen will show you how to communicate effectively, create value-based boundaries, and be on your way to living your step family legacy. Without all the stress and chaos, blending is hard. Let's make it easier together. All right, there we go. Hey, everybody. How are you? This is Jen Rogers, stepmom advocate and blended family coach. I'm here today on my inaugural podcast. Ah, so exciting. Why blended on the bluff? I'm in a step family, so I'm blended. I'm a stepmama and I have what I like to say, six kiddos. I've got two girls, two boys, and two dogs. My joke is, if you had to pick of those six, which ones are the easiest? Which ones do you think? Yeah, if you guess the dogs, you're right. You're all over it. Dogs are something special, aren't they? They certainly teach us how to love in some really beautiful ways. I live on a river bluff, and as I was brainstorming all these B words blended, And bluff, I thought, I am blended on the bluff. That's what I'm going to call my podcast. Here we are to talk about those things that face our families in a slightly different way. The dynamics in step families are different. They're not bad. They're not good. They're not less than, greater than, none of those things. They're just different. What makes them so different? 
the first thing is there are a lot more people involved. When you come into a step family or say, what does a step family look like? There's a mom and a pop and a bunch of kids and some animals thrown in the mix. Many of the things that step families deal with are different because there's a combination of two families that have two different experiences with what a marriage between a husband and a wife looks like and what the house norms are and what the expectations are, where some people will celebrate, oh, you're in a blended family. Congratulations. You have two houses. You have two of everything. So it must be great for you. I think that there are some kiddos out there, whether they're still kiddos or have grown into adults, who would share some things that would have you reconsider. Yes, there are two things. and There are two different places, depending on the custody schedule. There are a lot of different custody schedules. For me personally and my family, we're one week on and one week off. So every Sunday we do an exchange. And as the kids get, get older, that dynamic changes. <laughs> so right now we really have one kiddo at home every other week. All the other kiddos, they're gone, they're older, and the dogs. We have the dogs here with us every week. What are some of those things that step families experience that are outside of the norm if you're in a traditional family? Uh, again, this sheet of paper, I'm going to look at it. Let me grab my reading glasses here. They'll help me a little bit. There's a lot of vulnerability in step families. You know, when you, meet, when you meet somebody for the first time, let's say you're going out to lunch and you want to make a good impression on that person. Uh, so you're a, a, a little more alert to maybe some of your body language. Perhaps you are a little more careful in how uh, you speak. So you think about things a little bit longer before you relay them. Throughout the meal, you're worried about salad being stuck in your teeth. You're worried about, I don't know, what things can go wrong when you want to make an impression on people when you're out dining. I think I can think of a lot of things. I think about <laughs> Pretty Woman movie, right, where Julia Roberts sticks her fork in the food and it goes flying off the plate. All those kind of things happen. And you can laugh them off or you can be really embarrassed. And it just depends on your personality, how you deal with those and the personalities of the people around the table. When you have this meal, the meal is going to be over soon. It's not going to last that long. And then you get to go back and be comfortable. If you're in a blended family at that initial stage, particularly of blending, there are things that are uncomfortable for extended periods of time. And so you feel more vulnerable. And feeling vulnerable doesn't always feel good. So I believe that step families have more of those vulnerable moments as you're getting to know one another. And there are a lot of questions that pop up in this vulnerability. For example, what does my room look like? Do I have to take the laundry? Today, tomorrow, never. Who's responsible for what? When do we eat dinner here? What do we eat for dinner here? Why do I have to do that? At my other house, we've never done this. And I'll tell you, for our family, we experienced the blend when we had someone who was just turning into a teenager and then somebody eight or nine, and then our, the girls were already pursuing their adult 
things. So they weren't in the home very much. But so all these different age groups. And so you have the girls who are wondering, what does this mean? Mom got married to this guy. I'm not even sure I like this guy. And, and these boys, we're girls. We do girls. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I used to say, oh, God gave me girls for a reason because he knew I wouldn't know what to do with boys. I have all kinds of boys in my life now. Let me tell you, I've got three grandsons to date and a, a grandbaby girl who's going to make her arrival any day now, <laughs> which is very exciting. But there's a lot of testosterone in my house right now and in my family right now. But if I can back up and, and go back to that, where the girls will be asking, what does it mean to be a stepsister? And if they're not even interested in that, uh, then they got to figure out, is there a problem? Should I be interested? Am I supposed to like these guys? What if I don't like these guys? And then from the boys' standpoint, 13 and 9, that's those are ages where uh, there's a little bit more receptivity. Uh, not for very long at 13, because that 14 comes pretty fast. But I think that there are definite truths where people say that when you blend when the kids are younger, it may be a little bit easier than when they're older. But I'll tell you what, one of the things that I learned with my daughters is that they didn't find that to necessarily be true, that they had struggles as well. They were just different. They were different struggles. And I would suspect that six years in, my husband and I just celebrated our six-year anniversary. I would expect that six years in, there are still some challenges there. So blending is, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes some time. So everybody is really, it's when you're walking across a pond that's recently been frozen, but you don't know how thick it is, got to take a tentative step. But you're always concerned that you're going to fall through the ice because there's so many unknowns, so vulnerable. Again, a lot of vulnerability in blended families. Let's see, something else I wrote down really would be unrealistic expectations. That's where I'm going to go next. I'll throw this up here for the video that I'm recording this sheet with all these different things that I did write down. There's so many topics to choose from, but unrealistic expectations, it creates turmoil. There are a lot of emotional transitions that really are a part of the vulnerability that I was just sharing. When you don't really know what the norms are, you're uncomfortable. I've described it like this to some of my friends that it's you're going to go on this big trip and you know that it's coming, the marriage is coming, and then that is going to result in some changes, that your lifestyle is going to change and the people that you come into contact with every day it's going to change depending on where you are. And you don't really know a lot about the culture, the traditions, the language, all of those things. And so when you plan this trip, let's say you got a passport, you're going to a foreign country that you've never been before. Uh, you're excited. Yeah, this is going to be fun. And you want to be open to your new experiences. You get on the plane, you're getting closer and closer to your destination. And you start to experience a little bit of anxiety. Oh gosh, how am I going to get from the airport to my hotel because I don't speak the language? I, I, I don't have any of the currency that they have. I know I have a reservation, but I'm not quite sure what to expect. And so when you get off the plane, you grab your suitcase and you figure out what the norm is to hail a taxi. 
you get to your hotel and there's a little bit of an exhale to say, oh yeah, okay. Okay, good. I got that one. And then there's another new thing and it's new thing after new thing. So for the time that you're in that foreign country, you are under a little bit of what I would call normal stress. It's normal when you go somewhere or do something that you've never been or never done before. There's some inherent stress there and it's okay, uh, but it can be wearing, right? Can be wearing. And in step families, the airplane, you, the airport <laughs> going in, taking the taxi over, that's where you, the kids, it, it depends on what they have to pack in their suitcase. So one of the things that my husband and I thought was really important is that we eliminated the need for any extra things to go back and forth. So there are definitely obvious things that need to go back and forth. School bags, right? Homework, that kind of thing. Any kind of medication, any kind of special thing that they needed for that week. So for example, the boys were in band involved in band. And so if there was a band event, then they needed a uniform, those kind of things. So some extra things uh, to keep track of, but we worked to minimize the amount of things that needed to go back and forth. And I think we had the idea that that did make it easier. And maybe we thought that should make everything easier. But I want to tell you at the beginning, it, it wasn't easy. It really wasn't easy. I don't know that there's easy in blending. I think that everything is just a little bit more challenging uh, because you bring the baggage with you. This It wasn't supposed to be this way, or my parents, I wish I would have stayed married so that I wouldn't have to experience this kind of thing. My mom or my dad, they seem like a different person married to this new person. Do I have to like this new person? Why do I have to like this new person? I didn't choose this. So there are all kinds of emotions as the kids are exploring this quote unquote foreign country, right? So <laughs> there's some emotional tension in the transitions and transitions. You can do what you can to make things easier, but there's still a transition. So there's, there needs to be a little bit of a mindset shift where, oh, I'm going to my mom's house now, or, oh, I'm going to my dad's house now. So in our situation, I can tell you that the rules in each home are very different. Okay. It's very different. So that's another inherent dynamic in blending families that this norm of, hey, how our family rolls is different than how you roll in anybody else's family. If you can think about the first time you went over to a friend's house, I remember being so amazed thinking, oh, they do that here. What is that? Never experiencing something. And if I liked it, I thought they were so cool, so much cooler than my own family. And if I didn't like it, I thought our family was so much cooler than their family, at least in that area. So it's really interesting how, how everyone must navigate the waters of blending. and figure out what kind of fish they are in this water. And there's a lot of stuff in the water that we didn't really expect was going to be in there. So again, vulnerability and emotional transitions, a little bit of turmoil and discontent in that. So I want to, again, focus on the transition points. And something that we have learned is that it would be really good to have the, hey, it's Sunday and we know it's transition day. So let's talk about some of the things that you're bringing from your prior week 
here. Is there anything we need to know about what's your schedule, what's going on? And we'll share. So we would all share our schedules, write them on the board so everybody would know who's going where, when. And then if there was anything special that we needed to look out for that week so that we would all be looking out for it and working together. Well, in theory, it sounds really good. But I want to tell you, we have what I now call a lot of Sunday night specials where it didn't go really well. It just didn't. And I think for me, as I reflect back personally, I really think it has to do with unrealistic expectations that I thought it was going to be a lot easier. And it's not, it's just not. Even if you are not in a situation where you have negative input from people outside of your two families, it's really a challenging adventure. So part of um, my passion is to work with blended family couples to help them understand what some of these roadblocks are, what some of these barriers to blended family success are, if you will. Because I think awareness is key and being armed in advance with knowledge definitely helps us respond in a way that is proactive and positive. Because when things are going south fast, then we've got the emotional response, the reaction that wants to take over versus having a, a response that's compassionate and loving and growing the relationships. I often think of if I were to describe why the challenges are so many, it's because everybody heals a little bit differently and the timeline for people to heal is different. So my husband and his ex-wife, their marriage failed. And so they must process what happened there. Why did it fail? And does that failure make me a failure? And if I'm going into another marriage, am I doomed to fail again? And so for me, it's the same with me and my ex-husband that we failed. We just simply failed. And so we needed to come up with a way to heal. And we've all healed differently. So those are the grown-ups in the situation. I got to tell you, as a grown-up, I struggled a lot of times in this healing. I did struggle. And the struggles are real. They're definitely real. So when I met my soulmate and we decided that we were going to get remarried, I got to tell you, I had... <laughs> I had a lot of, what is the word? Not novel. In, in, when you're ignorant, uh, naive, that's the word, naive. I had a lot of naivete. I really did. I thought, well, look, I know what didn't work in my first marriage. I understand that. And I am not doing those things again. I know to be an alert for those things. What I had no idea about was what was going to happen blending families? I, I just didn't know. <laughs> Gosh. And had I known, I've, I've spoken with a lot of stepmoms. And I have to tell you that it's, there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of hurt on behalf of stepmamas. And what they experience is a feeling of, gosh, I don't know if I would have gotten into this had I known how difficult it was going to be. That's a hard thing if you're married to that stepmama to hear, honey, I love you, but I don't know if I'd, I'd do this again. Wow. I encourage 
you to do what you can to learn about the transition points for blended families. So if you are in that starry-eyed, I have fallen in love with my soulmate, congratulations. I'm so happy for you. (laughs) And I want to tell you that there are things that will come down the road. This is like the 80-year-old wise woman saying to the 20-year-old, honey, I've been there, done that. I have some nuggets of wisdom for you and I want to share them with you. And the 20-year-old is just tolerating these nuggets of wisdom. So if you're listening and you are in this starry-eyed love affair with a man who has children, congratulations. Enjoy that sweetness. It's really beautiful. And I want to encourage you to take the time to work with your partner to talk about some of the issues that are coming so that together you can develop a game plan, that you can craft a vision of the blended family life that you want to live. It's so important. So instead of telling you specific things that can occur, I can just give you some generalizations and encourage you to start the conversation so that you guys can begin to create that awareness of some of the challenges. So here are some basic questions. Some you may have already thought about. Some you may have just begun to wonder about as you realize, oh, I think we're going to get married. (laughs) So things like this. How are we going to blend finances? Where are we going to live? Are we going to sell our homes and buy a new home together? Are we moving into one of the homes that was shared with the ex-spouse? Where are the kids going to go to school? What's the custody schedule? What is my role as a stepmom or stepdad? How does that, what does that even look like? How does that work? Who's responsible for discipline? Who's responsible for preparing the meals? So these are the kinds of things that when you get married without children the first time, that you have an opportunity with your spouse to work these things out at a pace that is much slower than when you blend. Because when you blend, you're instant double family. (laughs) So managing one family is challenging enough, but now you're managing two. You're having to navigate two different environments. So I want to encourage you that it's important to take the time to talk with your soon-to-be fiancé or newly married spouse about how are we going to work through these issues. And if you need some help, I would love to help you. I love doing this. I love working with people and helping them craft their vision for their beautifully blended family life. So reach out to me and I can give you some guidance and some tips and share some nuggets of wisdom (laughs) and encourage you to use them to build a beautifully blended family life. For those of you who have been married for a while, and gosh, let me define a while. Okay, a while is if you've made it past a couple of years, I've got to tell you that's a huge success rate for blended families. Did you know that blended families fail, that the second marriages fail at a much higher rate, 10 to 25% higher than first marriages? I didn't know that. But I can tell you, I experienced the emotions behind those feelings of why people get divorced again, because they're, it's a different kind of stress. So when you're not prepared for that, it, you definitely go through the school of hard knocks. And as a woman who has lived 
that and experience that I have a passion for wanting to work with couples to make things better. There are some tools out there that you can use that can actually reduce the emotional turmoil, reduce the vulnerability, identify what the norms are for your family. Again, understand that when you come together, you've got some healing parts that things that are still healing. And even if you would say, oh, Jen, I'm good. I've worked all through it. And my spouse is good, worked all through it. That's great. Fantastic. I got to tell you, your kids haven't. They haven't worked all through it. And the reason for that, there's many reasons for that. But think about this. It's not as though you blend and then you're done. Everything's great. Uh, The kids are growing and they're taking more input from the environment around them. And therefore, they're bringing that input into your home and it changes the dynamic. You think about it. Again, I mentioned to you, the boys were 13 and nine. Those teenage years, they're challenging anyway. They're a little tough. (laughs) I don't know if you can remember back when you were a teenager. I remember that there was some stuff, some choices I made that were not in my best interest and certainly not in line with the wisdom that my parents had given me. So we need to understand that. And I'll tell you, that makes me think of probably one of my biggest questions that is still ongoing to this day. And it's this. Is this a stepmama thing or is this a mom thing? So do I handle this as a mom would handle this or do I handle this as a stepmom would handle this? And why is it different? What makes it different? I'll tell you, it has to do with loyalty And it has to do with experience and it has to do with authority and it has to do with style and it has to do with you and your spouse being on the same page. So for me, I look at my own personal growth and I'll tell you that there are so many things that I wish I would have known ahead of time. And so that's why I take this approach to say we don't need therapy. Um, In some cases we do. So let me preface it with that. There is sometimes we need professional help to help us move from point A to point B. But I got to tell you, I think what we need most of all is a game plan. We need a game plan. If I think about where do you get a game plan from, I can think about any sport that I've played, whether or not I've played well or uh, not. (laughs) I think about when I'm on a team that I have a coach. And the coach has a game plan. Okay, so this is our season. This is what it looks like. This is how long it's going to last. These are what our practices are. These are the things that we're going to do in our practices. And this is how I need you to prep before you come to practice and before the games. And you develop a camaraderie within that team where you are either deciding to work together or not. And we all know what happens when teams don't work together. They don't work nearly as well as those teams that. Uh, just come together so beautifully. So having a coach, I think, is one of the best ways to get some new tools to say, hey, this is how we're going to blend together. So that's my approach. I say I'm a stepmom advocate and a blended family coach because as a stepmom, I have a heart for stepmoms. <laughs> I, have the, I have a heart for the hurt that really, if you're a stepmama, 
you can understand some of that hurt. And if you're not, you just, you don't have that experiential learning. So being a stepmom, there's some unique hurts. So I'm an advocate for stepmoms to encourage them, to support them, to coach them, to love on them, to help them see a way to move from stuck to unstuck or from this feeling of powerlessness to moving into a place of feeling empowered, of being empowered and enjoying their role as a stepmom. And as a blended family coach, look, if you don't have the marriage, you don't have anything. That's just how it goes. If you don't have the marriage, if you're not in it together, then uh, your team, your blended family team, they're going to suffer. So it's so important, just like when we are in a job and we go for professional development. Why do we do that? We do that because we want to continue to cultivate our craft. And so that's my approach that we are cultivating the craft of step parenting, of living a beautifully blended family life, because we know it's important. And even though you can say you came from a place where it didn't go the way that you had hoped your first marriage would go, I want to let you know that my approach is also a faith-based approach. And as a Christian who believes in Jesus, I, I, I receive his forgiveness. And I know that in receiving that forgiveness, that is a choice, not just to ask for forgiveness, but to receive it and then to decide to move forward. So I've decided to move forward to accept that forgiveness and to know that now that I do know better, now that I understand God's calling for marriage in a fascinating, beautiful new way, my new life's work, knowing the Lord, is understanding how do I take biblical principles and apply them to my blended family life? When you read in scripture, let no anger, rage, or malice impact you. Don't embrace those kind of emotions and you're having one of those stepmama blended family moments, it it is a a skill (laughs) that you must practice to respond to those highly charged emotional situations that are natural in blended family life. We haven't even gotten into, we haven't even begun the conversation about If you're dealing with a high-conflict ex-spouse or high-conflict ex-grandparents, any family influences on your children. So despite the inherent dynamics that adds unique challenges to step families, I want to tell you that there is a lot of opportunity to build a legacy to build your team, to, to understand and appreciate the motivations and the gifts that every member in your family has and the decision that they get to make every day. Am I going to be a team player or not? I'm encouraging you. You can move from stuck to unstuck to be a team player, to be devoted and dedicated to practicing biblical principles in your everyday blended life. All right, that's a wrap. This is Jen Rogers coming to you live from the bluff. Y'all take care.